Thanks for listening to the 5x2 podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the topic of sexuality, which can sometimes be a very delicate topic to cover. If you hear anything in this episode that we should have said or worded differently, please let us know by contacting us at gotquestions at stpeters-columbus.org. Again, that's gotquestions at stpeters-columbus.org. Our goal is to engage in conversations on this topic and all topics with respect and love. Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5x2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We're continuing our discussions on grace and truth, and we continue to welcome Julie Dietrich, who's a co-host with us uh, for these next few weeks. Grace and Truth is the focus of a Sunday morning Bible group led by Pastor John and Pastor Adam that will run through the beginning of October. And so, George, if you want to get us started off today by just kind of getting us introduced into today's topic as we talk about sexuality part one. Yeah, so in the past few weeks, John and Adam have shared the general concepts of grace and truth. And we've on our podcast talked a little bit about extension of grace when we talked about rewards and punishment. But now they're getting into some specific areas. And one of the hot topics in our society where we need to deal with grace and truth as Christians is the idea of sexuality. Because now in our society today, sexuality and the expression of your sexuality is a lot different than it was traditionally years ago. And it's something that Christians need to be able to address. And as we address this, we need to be careful because it's very quick for us to drop into stereotypes. It's very quick for us to get drop into judgmentalism. And as we talk about any one of these topics, we need to understand and appreciate that all people are God's dearly beloved children. And I just want to chime in and I think we're going to get to this a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I think that the, it's key there about the avoiding stereotypes because that can be just even in general, right? Like we just need to avoid stereotypes in general and just remember, yeah, that each person is a beloved child of God. Just, I think that's an important approach as we, we get into this, but I know George, you kind of want to get us into, which I think is important. Again, we've done a lot of definitions here in the past, but so a few more definitions. So people, if you want to take notes or listen to this over a couple of times, but um, do you want to kind of get us going in the definitions here? Yeah, Dustin, I think it's really important to start with definitions because words do mean things. And we're not trying to be politically correct here and using the right words because it's politically correct. We want to use the right words because we don't want to be offensive. We want to value the dignity of each person. Use the words that are understanding to them that don't trigger hateful thoughts or trigger thoughts of people being hateful. As we go through these words, there's some generalizations. You know, again, everyone's going to have a slightly different understanding of these and there might be some word that as you're talking to somebody you can tell that they're upset about it the way they deal with that in the best way is to have that meaningful conversation ask them hey it looks like that word's kind of upsetting to you is there a better way that i could phrase that so that we again are dealing with people as god's creation as god's beloved children let's start off with some words that we uh, we know or we've heard a lot and the first one is is the one that we generally use and that's the idea gay and so while gay has a lot of different images that come to mind the basic core understanding of being gay is being attracted to somebody of the same sex. So that is a feeling of attraction. It is not necessarily the action that follows it. Now, the action could follow it, but just the feeling of being attracted to somebody of the same sex, we would say biblically, for those of us that are conservative, Bible-believing Christians, we would say that biblically, 
the thought is not necessarily the sin. It would go to the same thing about any temptation we would have, any temptation to be selfish. The thought of being selfish is not a sin if we don't act upon it. I use the example of my grandkids, right? We take a candy bar, we cut it into half, and, you know, pick your half. Both of them are looking to get the bigger half, you know, and they're going to compare it out. The selfish act is to always reach for the bigger half. You get that thought in your mind if you, instead of acting upon that, say, you pick first, you have the bigger half, I'll take the smaller half, that would be what God's action would we would want to have, but selfishness kicks in. That goes with any type of temptation. The temptation is not the sin. The action is the sin. So being gay, having an attraction towards someone of the same sex, is not necessarily a sin. Now, to avoid that kind of idea of, of that stigma that goes with gay, a lot of Christians— would rather say that they have a same-sex attraction. It's basically the same term, but it's kind of sanitized. So as a Christian, I would say, I have a, I have a temptation for a same-sex attraction. Uh, but really, it's ultimately the idea of, I am interested in somebody that is the same sex as me. Now, we quickly get into other terms when we start this discussion, and one that's really big now, and it's a lot of discussion politically, as well as in the church, is the concept of transgender. Transgender, as it is used in our current society, is anyone who doesn't identify with their biological sex. This could include someone who is just feeling like the opposite sex than their biology, or who is undergoing hormone therapy, or who has had surgical treatment to change from their biological sex. Again, transgender means someone who doesn't identify with their biological sex. Now, another big term that includes the T for transgender within it is the LGBT+. You'll see that a lot because several of these views on sexuality have been grouped together. And they're grouped together because they would be what we might say are the non-traditional views of sexuality. They're different views of, of sexuality or gender than is the well, if I could use the word norm. So in, those t in that grouping, L is for lesbian, G is for gay, B is for bisexual, T is for transgender. Usually the plus at the end includes a lot of other ideas of sexuality, and so you'll see different letters on it. Usually will end with the plus because it's a larger community that is joined together that have different views of gender or sexuality. As we go along, the church sometimes, different congregations, different denominations have picked up terms to say um, how they deal with the whole LGBT plus, the, the views of sexuality that may differ from traditional views. And so the word that often is used is affirming. We, were, we would say uh, we are an affirming congregation if we would say any view of sexuality that you have is okay or acting out on your your same-sex attraction is okay. That's an affirming church. On the other hand, a non-affirming church would say, we believe that the only view of marriage is a man and a woman, as the Bible says. We are non-affirming of acting upon a same-sex attraction. There is a difference between sex and gender, and I've used that phrase already a couple times, and maybe we probably need to clarify sex and gender. Sex is what you were born biologically. It's what your chromosomes have determined, whether you're male or female. And sometimes, and in, in, again, this whole thing and the unique things of biology, there are some people that have extra chromosomes, but the, the normal uh, human uh, cells are made up of an X and a Y, and that X and Ys, the combination of those, make you either male 
chromosomally, hormonally, genetically, or a female. And so that would be your sex. Where opposed to that is gender, and that's the psychological, social, or cultural aspects of being a male or a female. And some of those are traditional values. Some of those are determined within society. You know, what clothing we would wear would fit in there. And again, some of that, again, is very societal, but there are also some roles. And here's where we get into the terms about masculinity or femininity. But uh, gender and sex had for many years in our country, our culture, been considered the same thing. And so that's where the kind of the confusion comes for a lot of folks, that are, especially those of us that are a little older. You know, sex and gender are the same thing, but they really are not. Sex is your chromosomal makeup. Gender is your psychological, social, cultural aspects of how you would act out that aspect of being male or female. So, George, thank you for all, going through all those those definitions. Um so I think one one more, and then we want to get into, and you kind of already touched on this, but when we talk about marriage, defining that from a biblical standpoint, do you want to go ahead and get us into that? Marriage and the definition of marriage would be something that is being argued upon greatly. In recent years, the court has determined that marriage is just a commitment of two people to each other. Whereas, biblically speaking, the Old Testament through the New Testament, a definition that those of us that, again, are conservative, Bible-believing Christians, would be that marriage is the relationship between one man and one woman exclusively committed to each other for life. So in that definition, again, one man and one woman committed only to each other for life. It rolls in a lot of different Bible references. It starts in Genesis with how God created man and woman. It goes through uh, some of the uh, Old Testament things about uh, divorce and how the divorce is not something that should be done. It goes through into Jesus who affirms it's one man and one woman for life. It's backed up by what Paul says about the relationship between Jesus and the church. Now again, as I said, that's the point of conservative Bible-believing Christians. There are some Christians who would have a more open view of Scripture where they would say these prescriptions that God has made about marriage were very cultural. They were very historical. They were based on that, that what's happening at that time. They are not enduring for all times. And that's what we would say as conservative Bible-believing Christians, if it's not clearly identified as a cultural thing, we would accept it to be a, a binding thing for all times. God's best plan for us is this. Now, again, as, as humans, we've got the sinful nature that comes into there and kind of maybe sometimes takes us down a different path. But God's plan is outlined throughout the Bible. One man, one woman committed to each other for life. So with those basic definitions, instead of just focusing solely upon the sexuality thing, is maybe we should just, for this episode, since we've got so many terms, just like go to a basic concept of how do you deal with somebody that thinks differently than you on a hot topic? You know, what struck me as I was listening to all of that was just how much I appreciate that Pastor John and Pastor Adam, obviously this is sexuality part one, that they took the time to to have that shared vocabulary, to, to put out the vocabulary, share the definitions so that everyone's on the same understanding and so that those questions can come out before they dig deeper. So that's primarily why we took the time during this episode was to get those out there. But I think when you said maybe we should just go to a broader conversation, I think the the key there is that we are sharing 
our definitions and sharing how our viewpoints so that we come to an understanding or understand where each other is coming from. So when you're having a conversation with someone about a word or a topic that's kind of a hot topic for you to step back and take the time to understand and share viewpoints, not just to go in like a firecracker and blow things up. Yeah, that kind of goes with our five by two thing with meaningful conversations. In a meaningful conversation, you're trying to understand the person. You're going deeper than just the, the, the surface level. Again, it's avoiding those stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be for a lot of words. Like, we've used all these words here, but, you know, there's a lot of different words in a society that mean different things to different people. Dustin and I have had this whole conversation about woke. Woke means a whole lot of different things to a lot of people. It's a trigger word for a lot of people. It brings up a political agenda, but there's more involved to it than that, you know? And so I think as we look at any word, any concept it's more than just what does that word make you think about it's what what, no let's let's understand each other when Mm -hmm. you use that word what do you mean Mm -hmm. we want to avoid offending anybody our words should be affirming not offending so let's take it to a broader level Dustin, what were you going to say? I was just going to kind of add to the the meaningful conversations that that you brought up I think a lot of times when we hear hear that at least for me it's like thinking more of the talking side of the conversation but I think listening is as equal if not more important than the talking part and I think another key part is genuinely listening not just listening to then well I'm just listening to you as out of obligation to then be able to tell you that I'm right or you know that, that I'm let me tell you what's really right here but but more just genuinely listening to come to an understanding to learn their viewpoint to learn where they're coming from to learn their story in a lot of time, in a lot of ways, it's I think is extremely important. And you know, Julie and I have talked about this before. Of, I'm a processor, so sometimes I, I'm guilty of this. Of sometimes I listen to somebody, but I'm like I'm like thinking about. I get anxious about. Well, what am I going to say? How am I going to respond? So I'm more thinking about what I'm going to say than actually just listening to what the person has to say. And I think it's one thing I've learned is it's okay to have some silence after somebody's done talking process like actually listen to everything they're saying then process a little bit and then respond or come back with this is what I think I heard you say like is that right I think that's huge when you're having a conversation with somebody if somebody does that for me I'm like oh they actually heard what I was saying right if they're repeating it back or at least checking to make sure that's what they thought I they thought I heard they heard from me so yeah I just want to bring that up with that conversation listening is, is so important and body language, you know, eye contact, nodding, smiling, all those types of things are, are so key in that too. And, you know, you said body language. I think we can say a whole lot with body language without saying anything at all. And so being very aware of the vibe you're giving off as you're listening, because that could that could make or break a, a conversation as well. Just, you know, you didn't know you rolled your eyes, but you really did just roll your eyes or you weren't even looking at me. So yeah, just being aware. What you said was huge too about the active listening skills. Did I hear you say, or what Mm -hmm. I heard you say, just affirming that what was said is you picked it up. And again, that's a great way to take time to process. Now I heard you say that, or could you repeat that again so I understand that? And there's nothing wrong with processing. I think that's where we need to admit. You've given me a lot. I'm trying to think about it. Can you say that again in a different way? Help me understand. Help me understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, uh, body language is huge. 
you know, going back to, to our topic of sexuality, I've had a couple people that have come out to me. So if it, there's another expression, uh, coming out is when you announce publicly that you have a same-sex attraction. And it's a huge emotional deal for people that are feeling that way because they know that a lot of people that had one reaction to them before they said that will have a different reaction after that. And so one of the things I've tried to do is as somebody has come out to me, not just to listen to their what they're saying and, and to think through and ask them the questions to clarify, but not to change how it interact with them. And so, you know, if I would have patted them on the shoulder because it was an emotional topic, I'll do that same thing when they come out to me. I want to make sure that I'm trying to treat them the same way that I would have treated them before that because I would do the same thing if somebody would open up about another emotional issue. How would I respond to somebody would tell me they're struggling with their cancer? It's the same kind of emotional issue. We don't always think about that, but it's huge for people who have seen the disgust that has been exhibited by people around them as others have come out that they're afraid of that. How will my family and my friends treat me? Those of us that don't have a same-sex attraction can't really even understand that, how those emotions uh, play into effect and, and how announcing those things play into effect. We could probably think of a, a situation in our life, like what if I came out that I'm a closet alcoholic? Well, most of us would be more accepting of that, but then there would be family members that would say, oh, you know, or else I come out with another sin that I would announce. There's a lot of folks that would treat us differently if they knew something more intimate about us. And so that's why we want to be understanding of that. There's a lot of emotions wrapped up in that. If you're going to have these discussions, whether it's sexuality or if it's another topic where we would say as Christians, we differ in our viewpoint from somebody else, we've got to make sure that we are not bringing in those uh, stereotypes. We got to make sure that we're listening accurately. We need to make sure we identify our terms. I can think of another one, you know, that happens a lot when we are having political discussions. There's a huge emotionally charged area for those that are that are so set on one political party. All those terms get thrown out. This party is this. This party is that. Well, if you're if you're this party, you are so many stereotypes. And again there's not a lot of listening. There's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of, wait, let me get my point out. I don't care what your point is. I need to share my point. You're obviously wrong because you're the wrong political party. It happens in other areas of our lives too. You know, you brought up that point about reflecting back or speaking back what you thought you heard. Cause I think it's important even to like, cause if somebody says something that's like, man, that really frustrates me. Sometimes I, I what I've learned is by like, okay, so I'm just going to check this. This is what I heard you say. And they're like, Oh no, no, that's not what I, you know, and cause we all misspeak, right? Like we're, nobody's perfect. And oh, so I never misspeak Dustin. I always say exactly. <laughs> no, joking, joking. <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, that's, um, but yeah, I think there's just there's those times where giving people the benefit of the doubt, like, hey, this is what I heard you say. Is that really what you're saying? And the, giving them the opportunity, because I want that opportunity, right? Like, if I misspeak and somebody's like, heard you say this, if it's not like what I my intent, I was like, well, you know, I apologize if that's what I said. Being able to explain. And I think giving each other that grace is, is extremely important. So I kind of want to transition a little bit as we're covering these topics. But, you know, we're talking about sexuality. And, and I know we're, again, we're kind of uh, 
you know, going a little bit more with other topics or, or general topics with it is too, with when we talk about stereotypes. But this obviously has been a the sexuality a hot topic thing. But sometimes we don't talk about some of the other things, some of the other sins. When we talk about like unbiblical divorces, pornography, some of those committed by heterosexual Christians. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Like, do you think there's a reason why sometimes, I don't know what the right word is, but those aren't brought to the forefront as much where it's maybe looked over a little bit more. And maybe that's not fair to say it that way. So again, maybe that's me misspeaking right there. But but yeah, like I just wanted to kind of get into that is that's kind of been the topic of sexuality and all that. But sometimes I don't know if we talk about some of these other topics as much. I think that like most sins, we have certain sins that we judge to be harsher than others. And if it's one of our sins, it's always less drastic or less disgusting than somebody else's sin. I think some of the ones that you mentioned, they're more prevalent. And so people want to play them off. You mentioned pornography. Their statistics are unbelievable for how many people, both men and women, have viewed pornography within the last year and how many are would say they view it regularly. And yet we always will cover that up by, well, but wait, we really didn't act on it. But all of those things, again, all those sexual sins would go against God's plan. They, all of those things can lead to a way of life or a way of interacting with other people that is not the best thing for us. So when we look at, you know, with the six commandment issues, it's more than just the the gay sin or the or the whatever whatever sin you want to stick in there it's a total picture of what god intended for sexuality just to clarify what's the sixth commandment the sixth commandment you shall not commit adultery we always teach the kids the the meaning of it so you guys all know the meaning of the sixth commandment right tell we, us George. we should fear and love god that we lead a chaste and decent life and word and deed and husband and life love and respect each other okay so it's chaste and decent life in word and deed so that goes with using vulgar language, deeds, those things that are outside of God's plan, extramarital affairs, uh, sex before marriage, all those things fit in there. They're against God's plan of what? One man and one woman committed to each other for life. Why? Because God knows that's the best thing for us. Even if the Old Testament talks about multiple wives, God doesn't necessarily condemn that, but he never condones it. And then every time we read about those in his word, there are consequences. Yeah, give us an example. So here's a great example. Abraham, God said, you and Sarah are going to have a, a son, and from that son you'll have multitudes of people will be part of your descendants. Well, they got tired of waiting, so Sarah goes, well, like, take my handmaiden. In their society, not in God's eyes, a concubine was accepted and the child would have been considered an heir. However, what consequences come is that as soon as that handmaiden gets pregnant, Sarah instantly is against that that woman because she could have a child and I didn't. Later on, when actually Sarah has Isaac, there's a lot of conflict again between the two mothers about who gets the inheritance. That's one example. Later on, we see it with Jacob having two wives and two concubines. Man, there is just a perpetual struggle within that family for who's the favorite, who's the favorite wife, who's the favorite son. God knows the best plan for us, one man, one woman committed to each other for life. And so as we look at those sexual sins, God is saying, this is the best thing for it. But we always want to point out somebody else's sin is worse than ours. I just want to close with this. We're going to have more of this next week because we're on sexuality part two with Adam and John. But um, one of the things I would also add, as you're talking to people about hot issues, emotional topics, the story is not yours to share. There's a huge aspect of confidentiality. So it goes not just for somebody that comes out as having same-sex attraction and being gay, but it would have somebody that says they're pregnant. 
somebody tells me they're pregnant, it's not my news to share that. Or somebody that's telling me they're having a hard time getting pregnant, it's not my news to share. Somebody tells me that they're having, uh, that they have cancer. When somebody confides in you, you should not share that with anybody else unless you're given permission. If you want to share that, you know, it sounds like you could you know, you really use some pastoral counseling. Can I share your name? Would you like me to share that with somebody? Otherwise, again, in line with the Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness, and in line with being trustworthy, you should keep that information to yourself. Use the word trigger earlier. Those trigger words, those hot words. I don't know what episode earlier. I, I remember talking about how I always lean toward grace rather than truth. These can be topics that trigger us to to go to one or the other that can go heavily to grace or heavily to truth. And I tend to, those trigger words or trigger topics tend to make me go heavily to grace. I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that Pastor Adam and Pastor John talk about that next week, that how do we respond with fullness of grace, fullness of truth, even if you're triggered or, or not triggered, you're you're all shaking your head or yep. nodding your head. So do you know something well, I don't know? No, 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 no. So I was, what I was going to add, it's the, my last thought, and then Dustin can wrap us up, is if we have said anything in this episode that has triggered you or to, to think that we've been judgmental in some way, we've used the word that you are unhappy with, please accept our apologies. That's not our intention. Our intention is to get people thinking and talking about God's plan. So if there are some trigger words we've used, things that have triggered thoughts in you, please excuse us. And please let us know, George, I, I always forget the email so you can give that. But like, honestly, like, please let us know because we want to improve, right? Like we don't, we're not trying to intentionally, you know, make mistakes or anything like that. So like we, we're trying to learn as well. So what's that, that email one more the time, George? Got questions, one word, got questions at stpeters-columbus.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you to, to, to Julie again for, for joining George and, and myself for, for this uh eight weeks of, of grace and truth. We look forward to continuing these discussions, as George said. I don't know if he answered Julie's question if, if we're, what we're exactly covering next week or Pastor Adam and Pastor John, but we'll, we'll find we'll out. we'll have to come back. We'll find out all together. So, uh, but we're looking forward to, to continuing these dis- discussions and uh, we'll, we'll talk about sexuality part two in our uh, episode next week. So again, thank you all for listening. Now, go out and serve God and others. 